you are clear to enter. Welcome to Pizza Planet. Welcome to Pizza Planet, a Pixar podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Garrett. And, and we're, we're your delivery, delivery guys. guys. Bringing you a square box of round, hot, cheesy Pixar goodness. Mm-hmm. We've got a bounty of slices in today's feast, so let's dig in. Hi, Ben. Hey, Gear. <laughs> How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we ended up just just now recording like 15 minutes of the podcast and realized that we were out of space on the card we were recording on. So <laughs> take two. <laughs> take two. <laughs> um, yeah. So before today, we're we're uh, reviewing Elemental. Um, but Woo. before we get to that discussion, I do have some news. Extra, extra, got your Pixar news right here. Read all about it. That I wanted to share and get Ben's reaction really quick. So um, this this comes from one of our contributors, Luke Smith. Um, uh, in Disneyland Paris this summer, they're opening a attraction called Together, a Pixar musical adventure. And the synopsis is basically this kid is trying to conduct an orchestra for like a school concert or something like that and then they lose the sheet music so then like Woody um from Toy Story and then a bunch of like Coco characters and Up characters Monsters Inc characters and Finding Nemo characters are like trying to help him uh recover this sheet music and it's this like live performance uh live orchestra like with live performers playing Pixar characters on stage because it sounds remarkably similar to my pitch <laughs> from last season's uh Imagineers episode. Im- Imagineers episode. Yeah. They stole your idea, bro. Yeah, they stole my idea. So I just <laughs> wanted to share that uh I, apparently my ideas are so good that uh people are stealing them. That is so crazy. Yeah, um, like literally like literally the yeah, the pitch if you guys remember the from that episode, it was about Miguel yeah. Um, walking with the Pixar characters through uh, through the films, and, yeah. and it was a whole musical. It sounds remarkably similar to this pitch. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, I, I just wanted to mention that at the top of the episode. <laughs> um, but before we also get to uh, talking about Elemental, quick quick reactions to Elio. So, I had not seen the Elio trailer. Um, I purposefully avoided seeing it on the small screen so that I could see it for the first time on the big screen before mm-hmm. Elemental. What did you think? Yeah, so um, yeah, I I had seen part of it online, but um, I also wanted to see the full thing in theater, and uh, yeah, I really liked it. It's an intriguing concept. Um, I feel like Pixar is notorious for not doing the best job at doing trailers for their movies. Yeah, so I felt like there was a lot of gags and some funny moments, but I was left with like, okay, like what's the real journey here? Right. Um, for Elio, like what's the real story? And so, so yeah, but I'm sure like when the movie comes out, it'll be amazing. But. Right. Right. Yeah, I liked. I liked the trailer a lot. I think it did a perfect job of basically just describing what I had previously read about the movie before. Like basically what I had read with the synopsis is like there's a boy who gets mistaken by this like UN, but it's planets instead of nations. And they think that he's the leader of Earth. And so it's like this quirky misunderstanding. And so I just, I was like, oh, that seems like a very strong premise for storytelling. Um, and that's basically what this trailer does is it, it, it just sets that up. It doesn't spoil anything. I think it endears you to Elio. 
like specifically the moment where his his uh, uh, mom's like he's calling his mom and she's like I don't have time for you right now and he's like okay <laughs> so like I don't know Love you're you. <laughs> you're already feeling empathy for him and you've spent like what a minute and a half with him um, mm-hmm. so yeah I I liked the trailer um, also playing in front of the movie was Carl's date which was yeah. originally supposed to be the sixth episode of Doug Days on um, Disney Plus. That was oh. going to be like the Valentine's Day release. That was the the end. Ed Asner's last time playing Carl. So for undisclosed reasons, they canceled the release of it on um, Disney Plus and decided to release it as a short film instead in front of Elemental. Oh, that makes it so much more emotional. So he 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 passed like recently then, huh? Yeah. He, well, he would have passed after the recording of of the the film. Yeah. So he um, uh, was it last year? I want to say, I don't remember exactly when it was, but um, but yeah, that makes it like super emotional because not only is it an emotional short film because it's like like Carl's going on a day, like the the movie up is about him getting over or I should say healing from the loss of his wife Ellie and now he's actually going on his first post marriage date and it's like there's so many emotions with <laughs> yeah. just that but then you add to it the fact that Ed is passed away and so it's just like <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to handle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and did did you tear up at all? I did not, but um I yeah, the, I I I was feeling very emotional throughout it. I was just conflicted, I think because like there's so much going on. It's like like I like this, but I'm also like not emotionally ready for it. So I'm like maybe the reason I didn't cry is cuz I'm like shutting myself off <laughs> or something, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, I won't spoil anything, but I the ending was done very tastefully. Yeah. So I felt like yeah. And and Bob Peterson uh directed it and he co-directed and um co-wrote up. So yes. he did it, I feel like he did it justice. Yes. The reason the short film focuses so much on the relationship between Carl and Doug is obviously because it was originally supposed to be an episode of Doug Days. And I really like that as a dog owner, I appreciate that they're highlighting this relationship um, because that's not something that really got highlighted as much as Carl and Russell's relationship and Carl and Ellie's relationship in the original film. Right. So um, there's, yeah, the, I think it's a really special short film. Yeah, but. and it's a it's a return to Pixar short films before their theatrical releases. Hopefully, oh so. yeah. Well, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, they end up doing this for every Pixar movie from now on. I don't know. Like, why did they even stop? <laughs> Let's just say it unofficially for Pixar: short films are back. <laughs> Let's just fool ourselves into believing that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah, really yeah. should bring them back. Yeah, <laughs> please bring them back. Well, we can dive into talking about. Elemental. Elemental. Uh, some quick facts for you guys. Uh, this movie was directed by Peter Sohn, who originally directed The Good, Good Dinosaur. Dinosaur. Yes, and it stars Leah Lewis as Ember. Uh, I am so sorry. I don't know how to pronounce your name. Mem- Memudu Athi, I think, uh, as Wade. Ronnie Del Carmen and Sheila Omi as Ember's parents, Bernie and Cinder. Catherine O'Hara as Wade's mom, Brooke. Uh, Wendy McLendon Covey as Gail and Mason Wertheimer as Claude. So this movie was released June 16th, 2023, which was, as of the recording of this episode, yesterday. That's right. Um, the critics' ranking uh, 
for this movie currently on Rotten Tomatoes is uh, 75%, which puts it at number 24 out of 27. It's got 153 reviews, so it's got some room to climb. Um, and, and in fact, it being at number 24 bumps uh, Lightyear down the list. And uh, there's two other movies that currently share the 75% score, which is uh, Cars and Peter Stone's first film, The Good Dinosaur. So once it gets more reviews in, if that score goes up, it could very easily bump up one or two uh, spaces on the list. Um, but interesting fact, um, it, it also has a 90% score from audiences. Mm. So I, I, I would say that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about the movie itself. Uh, this is Pixar's first ever rom com. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's literally what I my last note. My notes was: uh, Is this the first Pixar rom com? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Which I'm not complaining about. I like I like it when movies can like try out new genre like 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 that's kind of what this movie is doing is it's dipping its toes into a genre that i don't think has really been done in animation at least not like targeted at families type animation true um and so i i think that's that's an interesting premise to start with but um yeah did you have any thoughts on the story do you want to maybe give us a rundown of what it's about yeah so elemental um so elemental is about um, well, it's about the city of elements that, um, you know, you've got everything from, you know, you've got air people, fire people, earth people, um, you've got water people <clears throat> and the story focuses on, um, Ember who is, uh, of course, um, of fire people. And, uh, her backstory is that her parents like immigrated to this city. Is it, what's the city called? Element city. Oh, of course, <laughs> uh, Element City, and um, searching for a better life. And so her um, her dad owns this um, this like fire shop. Um, it's called the Fireplace. Um, so it's kind of like a mom and pop shop. Yeah. And uh, so she grew up, you know, like working with her dad. And her goal is to kind of like take over um, the shop um, someday. And so um, so she through like this like leak in the basement of the shop, she meets this character named Wade, who is a water person is that the right terminology <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> uh and so the whole film is about um this like unlikely friendship between a, a fire person and a water person and um and her her journey to kind of reconcile with her um with her family and this expectations of, of taking over the shop and then um this like again this unlikely friendship but relationship mm-hmm. um between um her and wade the uh, water person Thank you, Ben. The way you explained that was actually pretty sophisticated. Like that, like like minus the part where it's like water people and fire people. Like that sounds like an adult film, not <laughs> right. like an adult adult film, but like a film for adults. You know, yeah, like like a more uh, you know sophisticated premise with mature themes and stuff like that. Totally, yeah. That see that that's why I wrote down rom com because I was thinking about the concept. <laughs> and Sarah and I like we've been kind of in a kick of like watching rom coms together. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So chick flick. So I'm a yeah. guy who likes chick flick. It's okay. Yeah, um, y- y'all out there feel me. <laughs> yeah, uh, dudes who like that. And uh, I was literally thinking about it. I was like, oh my gosh, this concept, like you said, it sounds exactly like a like description of a rom com if you're like surfing Netflix. Right. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, like yeah, there's so much about this this movie that that um plays off of rom-com 
I guess I'll call them tropes, but they work because it's like a premise that we've never seen before for a rom-com. Like it's an animated film and you've got these surrealistic characters who are just like super fantastical and cartoony. And, but then you've got like a meet cute and then you've got like the, the like kind of the courting sequence. Like yeah. you've got <laughs> like, there's so many, uh, so many elements that point to other rom-coms and like that influence. But um, uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was uh, very uniquely original in that regard. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so like overall thoughts on the story, like what did you think like overall? Yeah, I would say overall I really enjoyed Elemental. Um, and I thought it was, um, yeah, like you said, it, it felt fresh. I think because it had this, this, this rom-com nature, mm-hmm. um, the elements, the... Uh, I mean, the animation, the character design was so much fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's a lot about the film to appreciate. Um, it, it's, it was a really funny film, but a lot of humor, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah. I, I, but, yeah, there definitely were... We'll actually get to this later, too, but I think there was some conflicting um, themes in a way. There's a lot of different themes you can take from which right. could be a strength if you're into into that and like wanting to walk away with a lot of things to... To, to ponder so there, there's right. some some gripe there but um but yeah what about you what were your general thoughts yeah i i also liked it um i i think like the originality definitely is is one of its strengths i think the characters are all very strong uh, and we'll talk more about the characters later but one thing i wanted to highlight at the top kind of like talking about the story and its structure is i think the weakness of this movie for me was it is a tad cluttered because I like yes, I made yeah. a list. So there are a lot of moving parts to this film. So I'm about to list off all these plot threads and don't worry, this isn't like spoiler territory, but like this is how many like subplots there are in the movie. So you've got Ember's anger management issues. You've got the canal leak. You've got Ember's love of the vivarium. You've got Ember's trauma from social prejudice. You've got Ember's fear of venturing outside Firetown. You've got mm-hmm. Ember's mistrust of other elements. You've got Ember's dad's experience with his own dad and how that's affected Ember. <laughs> You've got Ember's relationship with Wade, Ember's interest in glassmaking, Ember's desire to please her parents, and the blue flame and all that that represents. Like, yeah. they're so and some of those things they just listed they relate to each other but also like at certain points in the film they're kind of their own compartmented compartmentalized uh story point so it's like that's a lot to engineer in a story yeah but it all pretty much boils down to ember's unwillingness to acknowledge her own needs and desires like that's the overall theme so since all of those things i just listed that sounds like a absolute mess um, they all still point to that one theme. Right. So I think it works. I think it's uh, it's it, it all still points to one idea that makes it satisfying in the end. So mm. like throughout the film, I was like, "Where is this going? Where is this going?" And then when it finally goes where it's going, then I go, "Oh, that works!" Like yeah. So it 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 has it has kind of a shaky like that's why I'd be curious to rewatch it because I'm wondering like if now that I've seen it and kind of like understand what all the ingredients purposes are, like maybe I'll watch it again and be like, Oh, 
I, 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 I appreciate this ingredient more. Like, Oh, sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is helpful. Even thinking about like, it's like, these are a lot of like micro themes from the one right. theme. Right. So yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I think, yeah, I, I had wrote, written down something similar that like, there were a lot of, a lot of themes. The, the main four that I wrote down were like, yeah, embers, anger, connecting with others, mm-hmm. uh, elements don't mix that whole theme. Yeah. And then, yeah, like following your own dreams versus family expectations. Right. Which I guess is kind of the main one, but those other ones are all unique too. So, um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I do think it all boils down to that. Yeah. And <clears throat> while I'm writing the minor, like minor criticism train, like I don't have like a lot of things to say about this movie. Cause like I definitely didn't dislike this movie, but, um, while we're on the topic, uh, there were certain moments that I feel like were a little bit cheesy. Um, if you aren't actually trying to like the movie, like, I think that this would be an easy movie to hate if you went into it with a pessimistic perspective mm-hmm. because, because it is a rom-com and because it is relying so heavily on these like very punny concepts of like, Oh, it's a fire person. And so like they eat, charcoal and it's like uh, like that's hilarious you know so like i think that if you're going into this movie expecting to hate it i think it is a very easy movie to hate because of like how many opportunities the movie gives you to kind of criticize its cheesiness and like i said all the rom-com tropes and there's some like um like when we get into the spoiler territory there's like some specific scenes at the end that are like kind of eye rolly but at the same time it's like well it works because this is a very original take on that same trope you know yeah right uh, but yeah a lot of like paint by numbers um but the all the paint by numbers stuff was totally working in service of the original elements of the film like what everything that was very original and and unique about the film was being serviced by these these paint by numbers elements. So again, I don't see that as a weakness, but like that is a criticism I think that anyone who doesn't like this movie would have like a valid uh box to stand on. Right. From that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Switching gears a little bit, we had to talk about the one thing that's undeniably great about this movie. Okay, what's that? Thomas freaking Newman. Oh, <laughs> the music. Oh, yes. Um, so I will say this isn't my favorite score of Thomas Newman's. Um, that still belongs to Finding Nemo. Or actually, Wally. Yeah. <laughs> I said I said Finding Nemo, but I meant Wally. See, Finding Nemo and Wally, they're so like they're, they're both so great. And there's but some there's some taste to that a little bit in his score. Is, but. This is true. This is true. Um I liked I liked his score a lot. Um, and it is excellent. But yeah, I, I was a little bit disappointed there wasn't more he 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 had a few moments where he was doing his classic Thomas Newman thing, right. but I don't think he ever went full Thomas Newman with this score because <laughs> full Thomas Newman is like, like I've talked about before. It's like a very ethereal experience yeah. where you're just like, you. Swimming. the music sa- sounds like you're floating through like 
a a void, basically. Yeah. And that never really happened in this movie. I mean, maybe maybe in like the the bubble scene, the underwater. Yeah, that was probably yeah, the closest it. it got. But um, he used a lot of like Asian uh, style music to kind of like flavor some of like the fire town themes, and I really liked that. Um, but yeah, I, I think the standout thing for me with the soundtrack is that we got an absolute banger out of uh, Steal the Show. Oh, yeah. Which is the song uh, by, it's by Love Love Ari Leff is his real name. But um, <laughs> the I love the fact that, again, the song that is being sung in the movie, so this is like a pop song. Mm-hmm is co-written and co-produced by Thomas Newman. So oh, it is cool. cohesive yeah. with the soundtrack. Again, like this is <laughs> this is a must for me. Like if you're going to put a pop song in the credits of your movie, then you have to have it be a collaboration yeah. between the score writer and and the pop artist. Love it. Yeah. So yeah, I I thought it was unique at how many like original songs were in the film. Right. Um, there was quite a bit at first I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Like Pixar is like experimenting. There's, um, yeah, there's just, there's oh, yeah. a variety of, yeah, there was like some, some, some like choir vocals on a lot of the tracks or like some, some kind of like, uh, I don't know what style to call it. It was almost like, like vocal loops that were like kind of edited and yeah, like it was almost like a hip hop with like an Eastern vibe to it at yeah. certain points. Yeah. It was really interesting, eclectic music. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, like there were times where it was just like original songs that, which Pixar doesn't usually do that. That's kind of more of like a, a DreamWorks or like blue sky did a lot of that, like having, yeah. you know, Beyonce or whatever thrown into the, the soundtrack. Um, so that was interesting, but then also, yeah, like you were saying where it's a score plus like a vocalist, yeah. um, which is interesting. And so, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I would say, um, that, are you changing, Ben? Are you changing your top five list of of soundtracks? Oh no, no, I didn't like it that much. Okay. <laughs> but I was going to say, I going again, going back to the rom com thing, like yeah. like that's changing my perspective on this film. And now I'm expecting less from the movie, which sounds really bad, but yeah. I'm expecting less creatively because it's like they're they're embracing the rom com. So it almost makes sense why there was no like super. Um, uh, a score like Thomas Newman full on, right? Because this isn't like that. And and again, this gets this gets to another thing is that I I never had a Pixar feels moment in this movie for me. Oh, I had well, some small we'll, ones. We'll but... talk about that. We'll talk about that yeah, when yeah. we get to spoilers. Sure, but... we'll get to that. But my my point is is I yeah. think they're really embracing the rom com and it right. it's, it takes you out a little bit of expectations. Right. So. right. Um. Quick question before we move on from music. Did am I, am I wrong? Steal the show was also the song that was used during like the the courting montage, correct? Like, um, like the court. I know. Oh, Steel yeah, the, I yeah, think so. yeah, yeah. Because "Steal the Show" was definitely the credit song, but I want to say they also use it, so it got used twice. Uh, it could have been. Yeah, I think so. Anyways, um, I just wanted to bring that up. Take five. We got to go deliver some pizzas. Be right back. If by foot, a mouth-watering Shire burger. If by aquatic vessel. A sea beast fillet, and if the journey is to the skies, a country fried dragon sandwich. No matter where thy quest takes thee, no matter the hour thee arrives, Burgershire is there. Now serving all seven meals at over 3,000 locations spanning 14 different questing trains. For a limited time only, upgrade thy meal to a large fairy fry and get a limited edition Burgershire Stein. Burgershire, possess it thine own manner. 
I'm ravishing it. Has anyone ever told you you can't do something? Don't let the cynics of the world stop you from doing what you love. And if what you love is cooking, then we have a book for you. New from By and Large Publishing, five-star chef and best-selling author Augustus Gusteau has a message for the world. Anyone can cook. That's right. This provocative and insightful text is more than just a cookbook. It's a carefully crafted literary experience designed to draw the inter-artist out of cooks of any age. Whether you're a seasoned chef or a blossoming baker, Gusto's bold philosophy on the culinary arts will get your creative juices flowing. Pick up your copy of Anyone Can Cook from wherever books are sold. Phew! Barely made that delivery. All right, back to the show. Uh, so, yeah, next I wanted to talk a little bit about characters. Um because I think there's a lot to highlight here. Um, so, again, I don't know how to say his name. Mamudu Athi, uh, who plays Wade. Oh, my gosh. I really, I'm, I'm not joking. When he showed up, I was like, this guy knows how to act. Like, like yeah, voice act. For real. Like, he is doing the character in such a way that I was like, did they just film this movie as like a live action rom-com and then just like <laughs> rotoscope over the actor? Like, I don't, like he felt so real to me. Like his, his voice acting, I think was next level. Yeah. For and him. I do genuinely mean that. Like I am consider myself to be somewhat of a critic of voice acting. Um, and, and I, I think he was a very clear standout. Yeah. I completely bought his character. Oh yeah. I think he kind of like killed the show with performing. Yeah. Killed the show. <laughs> what? Do you mean stole the show? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were confla- conflating killed it with stole the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He killed it. He killed it and he stole the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Leah Lewis was also great. Um, but I think that the scene stealer, the other scene stealer who I want to talk about is Catherine O'Hara as Brooke. Uh, uh, that's uh, Wade's mom. Yes, she's so, hilarious. So Catherine O'Hara is such a bombastic actress. She's so good at playing big. Like when she's in live action stuff. Um, so she was like perfect casting for a character who just spontaneously bursts into tears throughout the film. <laughs> Um, I loved her character. So, like, I do. You, do you know who Catherine O'Hara is? Uh, I'm not sure. So she's the mom from Home Alone. So, oh, like, her yes. yeah. her most iconic moment, probably in her whole career, is is her yelling Kevin right. in, in the first Home Alone. Well, and the second Home Alone. Um, <laughs> and so, like, that is kind of like what she's good at. Is like that kind of like yeah exasperated, like comedic, over the top, like high energy. Like if you've ever seen. Um, uh, the show. I'm not gonna say it out its name out loud because it's got a cuss word in the name of the show, but it's Blank Creek. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she plays uh, a character named Moira who is just over the top in every scene, and it's like, oh my gosh, I love that they cast her as Brooke because yeah, her getting to play up every scene and play it big was just really good. Yeah, and and on that note, I felt like the whole Wade's whole family were just like. The best comic relief in the movie, like oh yeah, hilarious! Like the whole family, like every time they burst into tears, like the whole theater was cracking up. Yeah, yeah, and like and 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 that maybe that's one of the things that sold me so much about um, 
uh, Mamudu's performance uh, in the movie is that he's able to actually like cry vocally. Like whenever Wade is crying, like I'm buying it. Like it doesn't sound like someone pretending to cry or like putting on some like cartoonish over the top. Like, you know, I don't know. He, he, he and everyone in that family was, was doing absolute miracles voice acting wise. Show stopping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also, did you did you uh, like Claude's character? I, I I feel like he served zero purpose in the plot, but he was hilarious. Oh, he's the guy who like sends the um the like filing. Uh... No, Claude is the little boy. He's like oh. she. She's like it would take an act of God to get me over that bridge, and he goes, "How about an act of Claude?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay, so he he reminded me of. Uh, of Aang, like the voice actor does Aang in Avatar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a little bit um, similar. Zach Tyler Eisen. Yeah, yeah. He just Yeah, he was hilarious. Yeah, I, I liked him. Um, also, it's interesting that Ember's dad was named Bernie because Bernie was a character from Wally. Wow. Very nice. <laughs> um, and while we're on that vibe, I, the uh, the air people yeah. um, totally looked like the characters, the clouds from Partly Cloudy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Good call. And, and Peter Sohn directed that. Oh! And he also directed Elemental. Yeah. It's all connecting. Yep. So, so like, yeah, talking about, like, connecting, like, visually with other things, This I thought this was really interesting. So, back to Bernie, um, Ember's dad. His character design reminded me of Calcifer from Howl's Moving Castle. So, mm. any, any uh, Miyazaki fans listening... We'll recognize uh, Calcifer is the character that Billy Crystal plays in that movie. And this is a really fun fact. Billy Crystal actually recorded his lines for the English dub of that film under the direction of Pete Docter. Not a lot of people realize this. Pete Docter directed the English translation of that movie. Mm. And I believe they recorded it. At Pixar Animation Studios. Wow. So, so like, I don't know that that was intentional that Burning looked so much like Calcifer, but in my head canon, that's like a total callback to that. Um, oh, totally, yeah. So, but yeah, other like vibes that I was getting was uh, from the whole movie is like Zootopia vibes. Yes. Uh, because it like focuses on a metropolitan city and there's like a lot of creative engineering based on the unique population of that city. Um, there's also a girl with a dream and parents who run a family business. Yeah. Um, you even got like a trip to City Hall sequence. You got uh, opposites teaming up to get a job done amidst cultural prejudices. Right. Um, you've got you, the, the hot air balloon scene in, in Elemental feels like a one-to-one copy of the cable car scene, like the, the sky gondola, the sky lift oh, yeah. scene from, from Zootopia. Yeah. Um, I also got Inside Out vibes because... Um, the fire uh, person who struggles with anger. Yeah. And then right. you've got the blue water person who cries all the time. <laughs> and Sadness's character design in Inside Out was literally based on a teardrop. Oh, wow. Um, which leads me to... I've got it. A theory. A Pixar theory! So I have... I have a theory, a Pixar theory. <laughs> so this is how I think. I think this movie might fit into the Pixar theory universe. Oh, okay. So bear with me here. Fire people 
and water people in this world are descendants of humans' retired emotions. So you know the world that joy and sadness and fear and all of them, they occupy this world that is obviously another plane of existence. Right. So who's to say there aren't other places they can go outside of Riley's mind oh. and meet up with other emotions? So like maybe after like someone dies, their emotions move on to this other plane of existence, okay? And then they start, you know, reproducing. And so you've got, you know, people's former anger becoming the fire people. Oh, interesting. And you've got people's former sadness becoming the water Water people. people. Interesting. Yeah. So what would fear and um, disgust be? Uh I don't know <laughs> because we'll see. Here's the thing is inside out too. They're teasing that there's more emotions mm. that Riley is going to have to deal with as a teenager, which I kind of don't like that because in the first movie, it clearly establishes that Riley's parents have the same emotions as her. Right. So like, why would there, why would she get more emotions when she hits puberty? But either way, um, I, I think once inside out two comes out, we might have like a clearer idea of like, all the scope of emotions and maybe maybe um, air and uh, and earth people yeah. are descended from emotions we haven't met yet. Maybe yes. I don't know. And then maybe joy and uh, and fear are like the ancestors of other elements we haven't met yet. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, because there's a lot of interesting with elements like there's a lot of play on that too. Like in the film, like you've got. Um, the fire people who can turn who can turn uh, sand into glass. Um, you've got. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of what else we see that water with ice. I guess you could say. So speaking of that, so going back to the Avatar note, what as an Avatar fan, what did you think of the film? So I was going to mention this in spoilers because actually there is something at the end of the film that kind of felt like. Like, obviously, it wasn't deliberate, but I thought it was really interesting that there was a plot point at the end of this movie that ties to Avatar. So, I was going to talk about that in in spoilers. But, yes, I loved it. I love anytime you're, you're doing uh, a story based on, like, elements and balance and, you know, how these characters are, like, representative of different ideas and different... Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just like vi- not only visually different, but each each uh, type of person comes with their own kind of aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got there's a lot there because there, there's the character design, there's the way that they um, exist in the world, and the way they're able to manipulate things. And then you've also got the culture background, which hits on kind of the the deeper themes behind the film, which is clearly like um, the elements are a metaphor for different um, ethnicities and right. cultures, right? Right. And um, and how those can butt up against each other, but how, how there also can be harmony when they learn to work together. Right. So that's a, that, that message I feel like was, was, um, pretty strong, um, yeah. in the, in the film. Yeah. So I had just really quick, two other Pixar movie comparisons to make. Sure. So this movie reminded me of Incredibles and you want to know why? Because why? Incredibles was the first time I experienced a movie where I'm like, this feels like a film for adults and it's got mature themes in it, but it's family friendly. And I feel like this movie did the same thing where it's like, this was clearly targeted 
at adults. Oh, yeah. But right. it's family friendly. And so it's the first Pixar movie, I, I think, the first Pixar film since The Incredibles that can say that, hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, maybe Soul, though, because Soul was about, like, your life's purpose, which is I, more yeah, adult. Yeah, I guess so. I could see it with Soul, but, like, it, it, Soul was trying to simplify that concept so that kids could grasp it, yeah. I think. This movie isn't necessarily trying to simplify anything for kids to understand. It's just presenting it, and if kids get it, they get it. If they don't, then they get to enjoy the funny jokes. Yeah, that, that's true. That that is a, that is a good comparison. But um, but the other the other movie I was going to compare it to is Cars. I think the world building in this movie is more similar to Cars than it is to something like Zootopia. Because in Zootopia, things kind of make sense. There's like a science to things, but the in the Cars universe everything's kind of a gag it's like mm. lol instead of drinking coffee they drink motor oil lol instead of drinking coffee the fire people drink lava yeah. like it's a it's more jokey in the world building than something like like name in almost any other pixar movie other than cars and elemental and i feel like there's a little bit more internal logic i don't know yeah yeah you're right i, I thought about yeah zootopia and then robots was another one that i thought about with like films that have like the gags and the and, and right. character like going into this world and you're seeing how they interact. Right. But but you're right. I, I do think um the world building was similar with cars and mm-hmm. did you have any favorite quotes from this movie? Favorite quotes. Oh man. Uh I didn't write any down. I, I wrote one down. Oh, did you go ahead? <laughs> okay. A sacrifice that big can only be repaid by sacrificing your own life. That's pretty intense, yeah. That's <laughs> like I, the moment that Ember said that, I was like, "That's the quote that like everyone's going to be quoting that." That's yeah. the quote that this movie will be remembered for. I like it. That quote, and then the, there was another one that um, about the about the light um, that Wade. There's like a it, like there was a word that was like from the fire language, and it yeah. translated. You remember what that quote was? Um, not be, like you don't know how much time you have left, so you have to. Oh, oh, yes. It? Um, uh, you embrace the embrace the light now because you don't know how much time you have left. Yeah, it was something like that. I forget. Yeah, I forgot the line, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that that line also. I remember thinking that was really cool. Yeah, that actually that was that almost was a better line than the one that I wrote down. <laughs> but no, like seriously, that one, the one that I wrote down, like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, Oh wow. Like this is a big character moment. And it's a very like quotable line. And like, even if it's not like inherently true, because it's kind of like the antithesis of the film. Um, mm. it's still, it still like encompasses what the f- character of Ember is about. So yeah, that's, it's a really good quote. Um, but yeah, uh, do you have any other thoughts? Speaking of going back to the, about how it's kind of like kind of geared towards more towards uh, adults. Mm-hmm. what do you think of the, there's a couple of raunchy jokes in there that were probably oh, over kids. Oh heads, yeah. But... <laughs> like the, the Ash joke. Well, yeah, that one, uh, but like the pruning scene, oh. <laughs> <laughs> they showed that one in the trailer. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see that. Uh, um, yeah, I, I didn't dislike the. I, I didn't see anything that made me go, oh, like, I wouldn't show this to a kid. There was also I, the one at the, at the end, too, where the parents make that joke about, like, 
Um, oh, yeah. hanky panky. Yeah. He's like, we got more time for <laughs> yeah. hanky panky. And, I was and like, what's funny about that <laughs> is that throughout the movie, uh, Bernie is using all this like fire lingo that makes it hard to understand what he's saying. And so like all of his slang words are just like made up words. Yeah. But then the one time he uses like a common slang word, he uses hanky panky. And it's like, um, even kids know what that means. Yeah. I was like, well, that's not, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I guess I would say that this is a deserving PG movie. Like definitely not for like small, small kids that are great at picking up on stuff like that. I would say like if they're really small and they don't pick up anything, like, yeah, they're probably not going to, it's not going to be a big deal. But there are, there are jokes that like, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't want my like, you know, eight year old quoting that. You know, right? Totally. But yeah, before we move on, uh, just a few closing thoughts. Uh, so I actually really liked seeing this movie specifically because I got to see it with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she loves rom coms, and when we see something together that's really cute and really satisfying for both of us, that makes it like extra special. So, right. like, you know, this is a romantic movie. I'm not gonna lie, and like, at one point during the movie, like. Stephanie like leaned over and put her head on my shoulder and I was like, yeah, like this is, this is like the perfect movie for us because like she's having a good time. Like it's right up her alley. I'm having a good time. Like it's a Pixar movie. Like, of course it's right up my alley. So yeah, I don't know that, that made the viewing experience like next level for me. Um, but yeah, so, um, I, I also wanted to talk about before, before we get to our closing thoughts, there is so much, creativity about the physics in um the elements in this movie so i wanted to know if you had any thoughts on like like what your favorite visual gag is like i have a list of like scenes like where like there's the chase scene where uh wade and ember like run between two thin buildings yeah um like ember using oil to make herself into like a giant wall she like sprays oil on the ground then Wade like using light refraction um, to light a fire like through his stomach. Yeah. Um, fire people making coal by squeezing wood, which begs the question: Could they make a diamond? Oh. Um, fire baby drinking lighter fluid. Um, <laughs> the minerals changing Ember's color. Yeah. Like that was cool. Wade's house being a swimming pool. Claude growing flowers on his armpit, signifying he's hitting puberty. Um, Ember using her head to heat the hot air balloon. Like, there's just so many, like, this movie is very visually rich. So I just wanted to acknowledge that and see if you had any favorite gags. Yeah, no, um, I I really enjoyed the... uh, the cloud, uh, the pro basketball athletes. Oh yeah, the uh, what were they called? The the windbreakers. Yeah, and the and the uh, 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 crop dusters. Oh yeah, that was the other one. So yeah, uh, uh, I love Wade's T-shirt where it's just a W with like a little poot coming out of it. <laughs> yeah, it was so creative. They're just like you know, you see these cloud people and they're just like you know in this massive arena and they're like throwing like this basketball to each other and yeah. they're poofing around. It's just it's creative. Yeah. So I had two other questions regarding the biology of these characters. So first of all, Wade, um, correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding of what the movie is positing is that Wade is a collection of specific water molecules. So like a water person is different than water itself. Right. So like 
when he's like he comes out of the pipe and he's like all big and stuff yeah. and then he like shakes himself off and water falls off that's like him being wet like he can't actually grow in size he himself can't actually grow in size from absorbing other water that water does not become him so that means that if he lost some of his body water like like he got like you know um split in two or whatever then he would be permanently small Right, oh, yeah. he wouldn't be able to just use any old yeah. water to like regenerate because those are that's not his DNA. Like his DNA is in those specific water molecules. Oh yeah, which is I don't know what I think the movie was positing. I I don't know if that makes sense to you or anyone in yeah. the audience. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because and also fire, they like shoot fire. Right, right. So and then yeah, I'm assuming there's like grass. And but that's not the Earth people, right? right. Well, and that that was that was going to be my next question is, um, where do fire people get the wood that they snack on? Are they eating the flesh of the Earth people? <laughs> that's so dark, dude. Like, but no, like it can't be right because there's water that's not yeah, people. Yeah, that's there true. is air that's not people, obviously, because of the bubble scene. Yeah, there's uh, and and there's clearly fire that's not fire people because of the blue flame. Yeah, so, right. So so we have to assume there are trees in this world. Yeah, right. It's just some of them have, um consciousness and right right uh yeah so yeah that is really interesting to think about okay well i just wanted to yeah share that before uh last last thing before we we get to our final thoughts um there was this uh really cool post on social media shared by um pixar this is an open letter from um the director peter Sohn, um talking about this movie and I, I i just think this is a really important read so i'm gonna read the whole thing um it says my name is peter Sohn, director of elemental i've worked at pixar for 23 years and never has a story felt so personal i'm the child of immigrants my parents left korea in the late 1960s and came to new york where they created a beautiful life and community for my brother and i like our main character, Ember, I felt this intense calling to honor my family and their sacrifices. They gave up so much so I can do this for them, right? I was drawn to animation from an early age. If there's any money left over um, from our family store, my mom would take my brother and I to the movies. Because her English was limited, we'd lean over and translate what was going on. When we saw animated films, I don't remember translating anything for her. The medium itself was so powerful and transcendent of language that there were moments that brought her to tears. It hit me, wow, animation can do that? Elemental is a love letter to my parents, thanking them for building such a supportive foundation for my brother and I. Unfortunately, I lost both of them during production of this film, mm. and I miss them every day. If your loved ones are still with you, please take a moment to thank them. Mom and Dad, this is for you. Sincerely, Peterson. So mm. I, th I felt like that was an important read because we've talked about this on the podcast before. Like the best Pixar movies are the ones that come out of the filmmaker. Right. And this is 
absolutely another addition to that list of turning reds and and lucas and onwards right. and monsters inks and finding nemo finding nemos yeah like these are movies that are can only be told by the filmmaker and that's why this movie is absolutely peter stone's magnum opus like this mm-hmm. like like good dinosaur doesn't hold a candle <laughs> to this movie yeah. um but yeah i just wanted to share that cuz i think that definitely does impact the way i i look at the movie in a big way Oh, totally. And and that's the same for, I mean, when I first saw Onward, I remember enjoying it, but it really wasn't until I talked more about it with you and you told me about Dan Scanlon and about his own story about his dad and, and you know, the yeah. the tape that he had from his dad. And, yeah. um, and that made me allow, like, I love Onward more than I did before. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure this film uh, will grow in the same way. And yeah, that's really, really beautiful to hear. And um, it makes me... I'm I'm curious to know why he went with the rom com direction because honestly, hearing that description made me think like, I like I don't know how much of it was autobiographical, but like that part could have been like uh, we don't know yeah, we, we don't, don't know, know what yeah. like like if he's married, who he's married to, what their what their meeting was like, what his parents' reaction to their meeting was like, like. I, I, I could be I could be just projecting from, obviously from the movie, but. Um, but yeah, like maybe his brother went through a similar experience or maybe maybe someone he knows went through a similar experience. We don't know. But like that is a very authentic experience to have yeah. when you're the child of immigrants because um, I've, I've definitely seen that in like movies like The Big Sick, which mm-hmm. is autobiographical story um, based on Kumail Nanjiani's life and how his parents initially weren't accepting of him marrying outside his own culture. Mm-hmm. And so like that's definitely like a real story and um i'm sure peter Stone has witnessed it somewhere so i think i think that's why he went with the the rom-com element because um it's so relatable for children of like immigrants sure yeah that makes perfect sense speaking of other films uh that pixar have done that were you know the directors really influences the story um turning red you know domi she's um story and how um, oh yeah uh, Maylin's, you know, journey, which touches a lot on family expectations as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that I remember thinking about that during this film, thinking like, oh yeah, like this reminds me a lot of turning red and just that theme of like um, wanting to honor your parents, but also trying to find out who you are as a person. Um, I mean, do you feel at all that like maybe the, the with the rom com nature that it could potentially be distracting from? that theme or from that message like do you feel like no because i think it works hand in hand like i was saying i think that this is a a, an immigrant child's story and i think that there are just certain uh stories that are relatable that work with that um so i think like there it being a rom-com highlights a certain aspect of of some people's lives that they have to overcome. And so like there, I guess there didn't need to be a romantic aspect to this movie, but I think having a romantic aspect to this movie added a layer of authenticity to it being a immigrant's child story. Yeah. Right. More pizza planet blasting your way after the break. Bold. Dramatic. Heroic. What separates our primal existence from the defenders that walk among us? 
if not our humanity, then surely enlightenment. Designed for gods, harnessed by mere mortals. Chic and powerful. Edna Mode's Summer Collection. Luck favors the prepared. And the full line is machine washable, darling. That's a new feature. For town, for town, for town, what's the town? Came for town, get ready. For the triumphant return of Four Town. They say a fear that space is a fear that's conquered. They say if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. But I don't want to survive if it means I live this life without you by my side. It's the Pandapocalypse Tour. I must be dead, I'm seeing red Can someone pull me from this dream? If it's the end, we can't pretend You're my girl, baby I must be dead, I'm seeing red Can someone pull me from this dream? If it's the end, we can't pretend You're my girl, baby Featuring all of Four Towns' brand new hit songs off their new album, Pandapocalypse Will you tease me? Will you see me? I'm turning red, the way you smile, I'm tired. I'm turning red, the way you walk, the way you talk. I'm turning red, the way you laugh, the way you laugh. I'm turning red. In the middle of the night, I caught a sight of fright. There was a panic in the air, it was a peculiar fit. I pulled you close, you were trembling as you froze. Even though we fret, it was a night I won't forget Yeah, the pandas came out to fight And we ran in the night Yeah, the pandas came out to fight And we ran in the night Hear the live performance of their latest number one track, Omens Moments don't be scared. There were omens in the air. Girl, you're safer behind me. Cause I'm the only danger that you need. The Pandapocalypse Tour. Coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale now. Check the official website for dates and venues. Hold on tight, we are re-entering the Pizza Planet Quadrant. Two peps, we got two peps ready to go. All right, Ben, it is time to talk about what we would rate this movie. So how many pizza slices out of 10 are you given, Elemental? Mm, We're talking pepperoni or sausage here, buddy. Uh, Two peps. So, oh, not Coke. We're doing we're doing Pepsi. You, no, no, uh, pep, pepperoni. Pep says in pepperoni. Oh, pepperoni. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Sorry. <laughs> that, no, two peps is what is said in the stinger. <laughs> oh, I thought you were. Not just, I thought you were shouting off screen to, to Stephanie like, "I need two peps." Two, oh no, <laughs> two Pepsis, please. <laughs> no I'm kidding. Um, so rating. Okay, so I wrote down. I'm giving this. 7.5 Ooh. pizza slices. Okay. Awesome. Well, 
I mean, that's not far off from what I ranked it, or sorry, rated it. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a solid eight oh, out of ten pizza slices. Very nice. You like this movie. Well, I liked this movie, yes, because now we have to talk about rankings, where we're putting it. We have 27 Pixar films now. Yeah. There are 27. And oh my gosh. How hard is it? Like every time there's a new Pixar movie, you're like moving stuff around. You're like, oh my gosh, like maybe this should be here and this should be here. Oh, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's this tough. movie, this movie was, there's a few different places that I toyed with. Where it ultimately ended up, would you like me to tell you, Ben? Tell me. Out of 27, this movie is number 12. Oh, wow. You really like this movie. <laughs> wow, mine's at number 14. Okay. So two slots behind, yeah. Okay. So not too, not too far off. So, um, so yeah, like now that we're, we're kind of wrapped up with the review, we will do the claw here at the end. But before that, we want to talk spoilers. 2319! We've got a 2319! We've got a spoiler! Okay, so now that we are talking spoilers, I know that you had some stuff you wanted to talk about, Ben, um, regarding the character of Wade. Yeah, man. So, yeah, I want to talk about Wade first. Um, So, Wade, dude, Wade goes through some crap in this movie. So, obviously, we love Wade, which makes it so much worse when bad things happen to Wade because he's so great. He's such a good heart. But he gets... The rough end of the stick, man, um, in this movie. So Ember is kind of a huge jerk to Wade in this movie. Like, so he uh gets dumped twice by Ember. That's true. <laughs> the first time she literally says, We're done. The second time she says multiple times to his face, I don't love you. Um <laughs> so Well, but the the second one wasn't so much a dump as it was a rejection, though. Cause she dumps him. At the end of the bubble scene, right, right, like right when they touch for the first time, yeah, and then and then he comes back and gives this speech at her dad's uh, retirement party, right, and they weren't together, like yeah, they that's had true. already yeah. broken up, so he was he was just taking a second shot, yeah, and she's like, ah, nah. Well, let, let me change it again. He gets his heart broken <laughs> and shattered yeah. twice by her. Yes, yes. Um, he and does. the second time is worse than the first because yes. it's getting dumped. Obviously, that sucks, and especially after everything they'd been through. And she dumped and she him. barely gave him a reason too. Like to be honest, like that was one of the yeah worst breakups because like they just had this magical moment. Like they touched. Yeah, they're they like danced. They danced. Like they're they're feeling feels, and then. Um, and then she just kind of like gets hit with like a ton of bricks, proverbially speaking, with this realization that she isn't even, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think she like adequately iterated why she was breaking up with him to him. Like we as an audience kind of understand where her mind is at, but I don't know that she told him enough. To yeah. like let him off the hook. I don't remember if she communicated it, but I mean, he kind of he, he kind of got the idea. It was about it was about her family, yeah, not wanting to let down her dad and like taking over the shop and all this stuff. So we kind of knew. But in my mind, when I watched it, I think you know the whole like purple flame thing. 
Like whenever she's, she's oh, her anger yeah. is picking up, she she starts to turn like pinkish purple. Yeah. So she was getting she was having a little moments, and then she it was just like in the heat of the moment she and that that's why when she said we're done, I was like whoa like okay it's okay first of all it's one thing if you're having a moment and you say like you know i'm leaving wade okay right like right, that right. even that would be kind of like that sucks and that's like that's like harsh but like you're like okay she's having a moment but she in the heat don't she just says and we're done like what do you mean like you can't just say that when you're angry you just say like you mean nothing to me we're breaking up like that's pretty much what you're saying it's like yeah I was, I remember thinking like, well, I lost huge respect for Ember in that moment. Like that is not freaking cool. He did nothing to deserve that. You're just angry and you said the worst possible thing you could. Mm -hmm. And then to make it worse, then like Wade comes back to her, like, like shrugs off, off that basically forgives her for doing that. Right. And then comes back, confesses his love in front of her entire family. And then she just says to him multiple times, I Wade, I don't love you. And and that is just so hard. So there's a lot to unpack there, but the main thing I wanted to, to get your thoughts on were like, uh, were yeah, two things. One, like Ember, what the heck? Like, like uh, again, like that's really rough that her that she would do that. And again, I can't yeah. understand why, but that's really low for her. And the second thing is, how the heck does Wade get up from that? How we don't really see him process it very much. Right. So part of me feels like, is he, is that like a, is that like a one noted character thing or is he genuinely just that like good hearted that nothing can phase him? Like what, I, what are your thoughts on I, that? Well, first of all, I do think it works because I, I do think it works because Wade is not the protagonist. So we're not necessarily on his journey. Like he still needs to work as like a three dimensional character. Um, and he does, in my opinion, but we don't. Yeah, it's. It, I guess where what I'm getting at is that this movie being about Ember and the, um, the story of everything that she's going through with her parents and everything. I, I didn't struggle with frustration at that part in the movie because I think it needed to happen. I think we're seeing into the psychology of Ember where her rejection of Wade is is self-harm, it's self-sabotage, it is self-preservation, it is um there's there's a psychological thing going on that is very realistic and um it is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And I don't want to belittle that. Yeah. But like in the movie, like when it's happening, it just made me excited for the redemption at the end. Like it sure, made me, yeah. it made me like, it was promising me, okay, like there's going to be uh, like a payoff. a payoff for like all this pain. So I think, yeah, I think it worked because it's realistic um, mm -hmm. psychologically. Yeah. I don't remember what your original question was. <laughs> Yeah, well, you touched on on her character now, so I can kind of understand. I still didn't, obviously, I didn't like her in the moment, but that's the whole point, right? Is, just, right. is she supposed to grow and change? But right, as well, long as as long as you understand why she's saying what she's saying, which is what's important. Yeah, because then you can kind of understand the context of what she needs to heal from, what she needs to learn about herself, what yeah. she needs to be able to do in order to get to where she needs to be, and so like that is what's important in that moment, not so much like. Yeah, like, oh, wow, I can't believe Ember said that. Right, no, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think it took a while for me to, to unpack it. But So now I want to ask you about Wade. So Wade forgives her for for, for her dumping him. Right. Then, then he forgives her for saying that she doesn't love him from her entire family. So then, right. he, then he forgives her for doing that. Yeah. And then he comes back to save her at the end, okay? So that's three times that he forgave her. 
or two times. Oh yeah. So like, I think his character is literally just, he, he, he does represent a real person. I think there are people who are like this, who are just so in touch with their emotions that they can empathize with people. And I think that's what's happening is he's so empathetic for Ember. He knows that he loves her. Like he says it, he says like, I know that you love me too. And so he, I think, is just so in touch with his emotions that he understands what Ember needs more than he does. But where his naivety steps in and kind of like sabotages him is like Ember's not ready. Like him barging into uh, her dad's retirement party was not a good move on his part. But like he is completely just acting off of his own emotions and his understanding that Ember also cares about him. And so he thinks that he's going to help Ember save herself from her self-sabotage. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, 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 I think that he's a realistic character that he keeps forgiving her because like I said, when every time he hurts her, it's not hurting him because like, Oh wow! I can't believe she doesn't love me. It's he's he's hurt because he's like, wow! I can't believe she lied to my face and said that she didn't love me. I know yeah. she loves me, right? Okay, so that makes sense, and I feel like that should have been communicated a little bit more. Um, I, okay, of course I've only seen it one time, right? The film, so I I need to revisit it, but I do feel like I was sensing that what you're saying, which is where right. that, that Wade knew that she was lying, but I almost feel like that could have been communicated better in the film, like like that last time when he walks away from the family reunion and he's yeah. like, he's like sulking. Like you, you said that he said like that, that he knows that she loves him too. The, the, the moment he says it is when, uh, when he comes to the retirement party and gives his speech, he says like, right. I love you. And I think that you love me too. Okay. So that, that helps, but I almost feel like there should have been a moment where, cause when he was walking back sullen, I was like, Oh man, like he's hit really hard with that. I feel like if there was a way for him to do like just a quick, like some sort of like glance at her or something that suggests that he's like, like, no, like I know that this isn't the end. I'm not, I'm, I'm a little sad, but I'm not, I'm not sulking. Well, in that moment though, that's like fresh. So I don't think he's, he's, I don't think he's, he's there yet. He needs to emotionally recover from the moment before he, he is, he's ready to, to have the, those feelings of hope. But I didn't. But see, but well, then we should see that we didn't. We didn't see him process that afterwards. Right. The next time we see him, he's saving her. Right, and I think so. it's. I and I think a lot of that boils down to a subtext and b him not being the protagonist means that we don't necessarily need to see his whole journey. Yeah. Um. And 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 and. But I totally get what you're saying. I think that there is a world where this movie could have been. Um, more dual focus, like on both of their journeys, um, and and in that case, like yes, like we need to see his his recovery from the breakup, and then realizing, wait, she loves me. Yeah, I need to go get her back. Right. Like yeah, we need to see that yeah. that moment if the movie was about him. But it's yeah, yeah. But the, the, he doesn't have a character arc. Yeah. That that he's like overcoming something he's right. helping her throughout the movie right yeah no that, that makes sense yeah um okay and then I have, I have a couple rapid fire questions that feel free to answer these as succinctly as possible okay okay and um and if if you have you know you may also have similar thoughts on this yeah so let's see here um okay 
what is the significance of the i forget the flower what is it called the, the vivarium yeah the vivarium i feel like that was like a big um subplot and then when she goes to visit it um it's supposed to be like this big thing and i remember thinking like i still don't understand what this is about so she literally i think it i think it has less significance than i would like it to have because i think it literally just boils down to they needed something in the plot um like a big romantic gesture for Wade to perform that would also like not just be romantic on his part, but also do like a lot of, excuse me, a lot of emotional healing for Ember. So they, they do the flashback about how she wasn't allowed in because she's fire. And, but her obsession with the vivarium has to do with unity and balance because, um, this this vivarium is like I think she said it's like the only flower in the world that thrives in every element, including fire. So it is like a unifying symbol. Like it's about unity. It's about crossing boundaries. It's about um, like collaboration. And so um, for her to not be allowed to go see it as a little girl, that represents her being rejected from the other three elements. Um, and, and by having Wade, a water person, somebody who she's harbored prejudice against up to this point in her life, be the person to, um, take her and show her as both a romantic gesture of being like, I know that this, this flower means a lot to you, but also like, let me be the one to kind of break this emotional, uh, this emotional thing you've been holding against the rest of society, I, I I think that's what it boils down to. So the 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 flower can like thrive like literally in fire. Yes, she oh, says okay. she so says elements, yeah. she says in the film that it's the only p- flower in the world that thrives in every element, including fire. Okay, got you. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. It's yeah, it, it's a it's a cool metaphor that for some reason it took me a hard time to process in the film. Right. But and I'm not, and I'm not defending it as like a perfect, cause like I mentioned at the top of the review, like there are so many plot threads in this right, movie right. and like, it, it feels like a cluster. But like I said, once I sat down and like made the list and looked at every single one, I'm like, Oh, okay. It's all pointing to one theme. It just isn't clear throughout the movie until the very end that yeah. that's what these, these elements are contributing to. Yeah. Which, yeah. Does does get into like again that 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 that's more on like the elements don't mix right theme which is different than her following her own dreams right which again that's that's some critique there but um, with with conf- like I I like when movies have a lot to chew on yeah but when I don't like it is when the themes are so strong that you're like, tr- you're like in weeds trying to like be like, okay, what's the main one here? Let, let's right. put this aside, put this right. aside. Like, and that's what this movie is <laughs> yeah. until again, until the end, like the end reveals itself and you're like, Oh, but like, uh, everything before that you're, you're right. You're like kind of like navigating a lot of different threads that don't seem to be going in the same direction. Right. Right. Yeah. The end that does help. Um, okay. Um, we also have, um, so Ember's dad, um, and his relationship with Ember mm-hmm. is a very, um, a very pivotal, com- yeah, pivotal and complex relationship. Yeah. Um, and it really, it boils up, especially, 
uh, going back to the party, the retirement party. Yeah. You know, he, when he finds out that she was the one who caused the leak, um, and he literally says like, I'm not giving the shop to you and I'm not going into retirement. It's like, Oh snap. Like this is a really like almost toxic thing going on between them. Like this is really bad. Yeah. What the heck? And so then when they make up, I felt like it was, they kind of made up too easy. Like, I feel like the dad was just like, Oh, you were always the dream. So, oh, interesting. So, I mean, it's a cool line, and and I love that. I love that he made up with her. Obviously, like that. There's right. payoff there, but like, I almost felt like, like your relationship was in shambles before that. Like it was slowly building through the whole movie, and then right at that retirement party, like I was like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of forgiveness. Like the the dad has the dad has a lot of forg- a lot to apologize right. for right. to Ember. Like he owes her a huge apology and stuff and um he just says this one line and then they're okay so i don't know i felt like the makeup needed a little bit of work but what were your thoughts interesting so i did not feel that like i don't know if if the word you're going for is inauthenticity or or what it is but like i definitely felt like the their their um uh what is it their reconciling felt authentic um I didn't think there was anything missing from the dad's um, apology because, well, like, you're right that it did happen very quick. But I guess in my mind, I'm like, these, he's, he's her dad. Like, of course, like, as soon as she's being honest with him, he is going to like instantly realize, oh my gosh, like, I need to be a dad first. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's just like, an accurate portrayal of the way parents emotions work sometimes because like I think because she had been dishonest with herself throughout her life about what she wants and as a result was dishonest with her dad about what she wants to do with her life. I think that that dishonesty was the root of all these issues that were causing division between her and her dad. So as soon as she becomes truthful as soon as she starts speaking her truth if you will um there there's this uh probably probably accurate i can't speak because i'm not a parent but like um this moment where her dad realizes okay this is the authentic ember this is why we've been butting heads because she's been telling me she, she wants to run the shop but she doesn't want to run the shop and that's why we have so many issues, me trying to pass the shop off to her. Right. And so I think just a lot of things happened for for Bernie in that moment um, that allowed him to get to that point of reconciliation very quickly. So you might be right. Again, if this was Bernie's story, we might have needed to see more from him. But because it's Ember's story... I definitely bought her side of the reconciliation and filled in the blanks kind of with Bernie's side of it. I think part of it too is like we we do have flashbacks of Bernie's past in the film. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Which really helps us to understand his story. So I felt like there should be there should have been like more of that. That actually is a great point because Bernie had a bad falling out with his dad. That's why. And so now now for him risking losing ember is everything like like he like the last thing that he would want is to not like not support his daughter right so basically when he blew up at her at the end of the the 
retirement party. I think that that represents uh, a weakness in him that felt very safe blowing up at her because he realizes that she's still like permanently in his life. Like she's still um, like wanting, like to his knowledge, she's wanting to take over the family business. Yeah. And in his mind, she's not ready. So he's just like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep training her. I'm just going to keep like working on her. But she, in this moment, I'm a disciplinary parent and I'm mad at her. Yeah. But like, it's not that big a deal. But then as soon as she's like, well, I want to do something other than take over the family business. That's when he's like, oh, so like what I did to my dad is what Ember's going to do to me. She's going to leave me and the way I left my dad. So I don't want to do to her what my dad did to me. Right. Yeah. And that's why I felt like there should have been a little bit more there, like of him explaining. Cause all he says is like, you were always a dream, which right. it, it gives a sentiment, but it doesn't adequately explain like in turning red, when Maylin's mom and her, they have like a moment like that, which I forget exactly what happens, but essentially Maylin's mom tell, tells her that like straight out, like right. I had these expect- expectations with my mother and I don't want that for you. And this is amazing moment where they're like honest and, and vulnerable with each other. Yeah. And we didn't get that fully there. I and get, yeah. That would have been a nice payoff, so. Yeah, yeah, I and who knows, maybe maybe that was something that hit the cutting room floor at some point during production, I don't know. But I yeah. 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 I definitely I definitely feel what you're yeah. what what you're putting out. But while we're on the topic of Bernie, I do want to mention now that we're in spoilers, um the moment that I was talking about earlier, you had brought up Avatar the Last Airbender. In the last Airbender movie, there is a subplot where we find out that Aang um he had to perform this like ceremony to accept the role as avatar and everyone bows to him. And that's when he freaks out and runs away. Cause you know, he was, he was scared to be the avatar. And so um, the line in that movie is I didn't bow back. And so uh, at the end of the movie, like right before the credits roll, the last moment of that movie is this moment where everyone bows to him and then he bows back. Oh, nice. And so, uh, and so, yeah, like say what you will about that movie. I know everyone hates it, but I actually, <laughs> like unironically love that moment in that movie. Yeah. Um, because like aside from the cartoon and how great it is, um, cause th- th- this is a moment that was fabricated for the movie. It was not in the cartoon. I think it worked, um, to give Ang a feature length movie character arc. And they kind of took that same idea, um, for the, the end of this movie where Bernie talks about like his dad, not bowing back. So yeah. for when, when this movie ends, Ember bows to his, to, to her dad and then he bows back yeah. and it's like, I don't know, like that was, uh, if, if there were a Pixar feels movie or Pixar feels moment in this movie, it would be that moment for me because like I didn't tear up or anything, but I loved that moment like a lot. And I could see myself like, like in future viewings of this movie, like getting really emotional there. Yeah. That was a really cool moment there. Um, yeah, I, again, like kind of putting a, a bow on it, uh, with, with, um, Bernie, he does say a line early on in the film, like when he's like, you know, if you can, you know, if you can do, if you can, you know, open up the shop and, and you don't blow your temper or whatever, you know, then I can trust you and I can pass on the shop to you. Yeah. When he says the line, I can trust you. I remember thinking like, we don't trust your own daughter. Like <laughs> I was like, but I know what he's saying is like, you know, I, I know that you'll be responsible, but right. it, it, that line seemed kind of 
and it's an intense line to say to your to your daughter, like I can then I'll know that I can trust you. And so I wonder if it gets back to what you're saying about like with his own, like maybe some there's some hidden trust issues with him and his dad. Maybe. And like yeah. wondering if if he can then trust his kids. So yeah, th- there's some there's some heavy th- things there. And um that's a good catch though with with Avatar yeah. Ty. Um so um oh yeah, okay. And then okay, okay, this might be the last thing is so yeah, the the flooding. Uh there's some <laughs> some questions marks I have there. Like, okay, so there's this flooding that keeps happening from these boats. We don't really know like w- why is this happening? Like why the boats? Yeah. So the, the 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 boats represent so 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 Element City is kind of like like supposed to be this play on New York. At a certain time period, New York was like the place where all the immigrants from overseas would go. So these boats would come in, um, dropping off loads of of people um, coming from other countries and other cultures. And right. so, um, so I think the idea is is that this is still a growing city. So these boats come in daily and drop off more like new oh, okay. people. Yeah. And so that that canal just is like a splash over area like where because anytime you have like like i don't know the civil engineering of it but like i know that there are such thing as like canals that like will catch splash over from from those types of things so i don't know that's supposed to be normal so that was the thing is like there's some some some, uh, unfilled the subtext about like because we see we see people coming and going throughout the film we see like um, Ember's family, the very beginning of the film. Yeah. So I never, my brain didn't connect that like, oh, they were on the same boat that are coming in. Like these are boats that are coming and going. They, yeah. they probably were on a similar boat. So that's part of it. I didn't connect that. That's like that. Those are those boats coming and going. Second thing is the whole, uh, architecture or like the system, like knowing that like, okay, this is, this is like kind of normal, but also like there's clearly work that needs to be done. I remember Wade talks about like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell the authorities to like, they can repair this, but like there was no payoff there or clarification like are there is there lack of funding or like is there a protest like what why is this not getting fixed it's such a huge issue for the city so there was un there's some questions there i had yeah that makes sense uh yeah that's a good point because it is kind of a plot hole that like he would report such like a massive issue and like the oh they did address that plot hole it was he initially was approved to go like um, dispatch like a work crew yeah. to fix it and then that work crew hated him for personal reasons so then they they didn't do it and like he's like well I guess it's like up to us I I, I, I they kind of skimmed over that that beat but I want to say like that was how they wrote off that plot hole was the idea that he what he did have a government sanctioned work crew assigned to him that he tried to dispatch and they wouldn't do it for personal reasons okay so they didn't go into those personal reasons, I don't think. But um, but yeah, that's kind of weak writing <laughs> yeah. when you do when you when you like probably someone realized late in production, like why wouldn't the government just like <laughs> send a work crew to fix this issue and then there's no movie? Well, we got to come up with a reason why. So like maybe the crew hates Wade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the crew is like earth people and they beef with well i don't know like something there um and then also like at the very end the flood comes it takes away the um the uh the fireplace but then like but then it fast forwards and they rebuild it but they never show like that the flood's not going to happen again how do we know it's not going to happen in the future 
Oh, I see what you're saying. They never show like like oh the, the flood just took it down and then they rebuilt. But then what about what if it happens again? <laughs> again, again. I think it's just like it's it's expecting your brain to fill in the blank that like okay there was like a massive destructive flood. The government can't ignore it. Like they aren't just gonna have Wade go to that same small crew who rejected him before mm-hmm. they're gonna send like a giant city project to fix it. I. I don't know. Yeah. But that's what my brain fills in the blank with is like there's a difference between there being like a leak that's causing issues in very uh, focused areas of the city that are not like the city's main concern. So it's like, okay, well, we'll just have Wade dispatch this work crew to take care of it. There's a big difference between that and a town and like a destructive flood destroying an entire part of this portion of the city. Right. That requires a lot more attention. Yeah, and like we see Ember, like you know, protecting it with glass, like tempered glass. Mm-hmm. And they actually go out and they check it, like, oh, it's tempered glass, sweet. But then they, within a breaks, you know, the glass breaks. So, anyways, yeah, there's there's questions there. Um, and then again, m- moving on from that though, uh, I think um, uh, I-, I wanted to say too, like getting back to like with the themes and stuff. So the 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 thread of Ember like wanting to get into glass art yeah, is an arc that kind of comes out of nowhere. Like it's later in the film where she, um, I mean, we see her make the glass ball um, for Wade, but that, that, but that's really more of just a gesture of their love rather than like her being like, Oh, I love glass making. Um, it was right. more of just this gesture. And then again, fast forward from that to where they're at the dinner with Wade's family. And then that's, that's when they're like, you could do this. And she's like, Oh, interesting. And then it kind of moves on. And then the, we kind of get into the third act not long after that. Yeah. And so, and then, like at the end she's like just decided to do glass making and she's moving away with wade and so that that i don't know i just feel like that thread of the glass making kind of became this almost like last minute thought okay so i i do have something you may have forgotten about um at the and i remember being like super impressed with this like i was like Oh, that's awesome. I have to mention this in the review. At the very beginning of the movie, there's like some rambunction that happens in the shop and someone shatters one of the glass cases at the shop. And so she literally like scoops up the glass pieces, puts them in her mouth, spits out molten glass, shapes it, and then starts like doing like all this like really, really impressive like shaping and cutting and like ends up making like a perfect replica of the glass that glass the the bent glass panel that was broken. Right. And I remember noting that and then later when she 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 makes the the glass for uh Wade, I was like, "Oh wow, that's really pretty. Like that's crazy craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. Why is it so ornate? Like they could have made it be like like I don't know, just like something cool looking but not so like intricate and intricate and artistic and and then like by the the dinner scene with the the wade's mom uh, that was when i realized oh this is where the movie's going is she's a prodigy at at glass work and and so i get your point about like that feeling like it's kind of tacked on at the end but i do want to acknowledge that yes, it, it, I think it was kind of tacked on at the end, but I do want to acknowledge that they at least tried to foreshadow it from sure. the beginning. Yeah, yeah. because I think like rewatching it, I'll probably I'll probably see that scene again where she like eats the glass, and I'll be like, oh boy, like she's really good at working on glass. Like, right. 
And and so, but again, that goes back to my original criticism, which I feel like there's too much going on in this movie. Oh, 100%, yeah. But all of it still points to one theme. So I think it ultimately works. And I think, I suspect it's going to work really well on a rewatch better than first time watch. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and it, I agree with you that that's also my biggest critique of the film. And I think it works, but I don't think it works like, amazing right like right, i think right, right, it right. all pays off and again that's why i gave it seven and seven point five part of me wonders how much of that is the fact that it's a passion project for peter Stone. like because it's such a personal story mm-hmm. i wonder how much like he put his foot down and said like we're not cutting this like this needs to be in the movie <laughs> yeah this because like maybe like the glass work for him represents his love of animation like maybe he discovered at a similar phase in his life like oh yeah. wow this is something i could do as a career and then like it wasn't until like maybe his like wife for somebody i don't know was like hey maybe you should think about doing this as a career and he's like well no i couldn't like leave my parents to go do this other thing like there's there's probably for all of these various plot threads there's probably a reason why peterson had to keep it included yeah um and like i just like because i like the movie i think it ended up working out satisfactorily and because like me knowing the, the behind the scenes of why he made this movie like all of it makes me just want to forgive like every tiny mistake uh, within the movie yeah oh yeah i mean like again like with onward i had a lot of critiques that whereas now i'm like i'm like oh but the, they hit they hit the notes of of you know the yeah. the, bro- the brotherly love, but okay. So then wrapping up, the last shot of the movie yeah. is Ember taking a foot onto the ship to leave. Yes, and the film ends. And you know, for 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 many films, the last shot's important. And Pixar films are you know, there's a lot of attention given to everything they do. And right. usually, last shots in Pixar films um, are are very important. And this one, again, uh, <laughs> critique a little bit here. Um, it was a, it's a very intentional shot. Yeah. Like it is like this close up and it's supposed to mean something. And I remember when the credits rolled, I wasn't all like, oh man, it was more of like, that was cool. But I feel like I should like that moment more. I feel like I should be like, yeah. And I was more of like, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I again, I think it, it, it gets getting to the same issue we're talking about, which is like, it was supposed to be this whole movie about, her wanting to, to do her own thing, but because there was so much other threads going on, like from the very beginning, like it, again, her making that glass uh, window thing for the for the uh, the front cabinet. Yeah. Like if if that was of like where she's making it, and and maybe she puts a little touch of like beauty to it, and then customers are like, ooh, and but her dad's like, get back to work, you know, yeah. get behind the counter. Like then you're like, okay. There's something she's 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 something that she wants to do, but she can't do it. Right. Um, like then then again, that, that's just one pitch of like how like the then that moment at the end of like she's doing it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, did you did that moment? Did you resonate with it, or were you a little bit? Oh, I definitely resonated with it. Okay. I liked it um, because I mean, like the movie clearly has this theme of like leaving your parents. Like we see Bernie leave his parents. Right. Um, and like we, we clearly establish at a point in the movie that like to pursue uh, glass making as a career, she would need to leave element city. Right. And so, um, and so, yeah, it is, it is a, I think significant moment that I think held a lot of weight and it tied everything together for mm-hmm. me because it's like, like I keep saying, every thread in the movie that just feels disconnected with everything else throughout the movie, 
suddenly like at the end it's just like oh everything's pointing towards her choosing her own path and like Mm -hmm. being okay with like you know doing what she wants and what she needs versus what her parents expect of her sure yeah um and and so yeah i i I think that moment worked um but yeah before we wrap up i do have two other things i want to talk about really really fast um i mentioned earlier that i was going to mention this in spoilers that there's in the climax some cliche moments that i felt like were kind of predictable um and um yeah basically there's a the the fake two fake outs in the finale that i was just like almost rolling my eyes because there's like the moment where the the blue flame goes out and it's like oh no oh yeah they lost the blue flame and then i was like oh man that's gonna be interesting seeing the characters have to like reconcile the loss of the blue flame and like what does the blue flame represent what does that mean for these characters but no they don't get to address that because wade saved the blue flame so like there's this fake out moment where you think the blue flame is gone and then he's like oh no i actually got the lantern that you pointed out i grabbed it and then and then i got the fire so yeah we're all we're all good <laughs> but then they do the fake out again with wade dying yeah yeah and that was like even more predictable because i was like okay like he's not dead like this is a rom-com yeah 100 percent. there is no way they're gonna traumatize children <laughs> with the death of this funny quirky love interest character but he'll be like ember i'll be with you in your tears <laughs> well no no that's honestly how i thought they were gonna bring him back because i thought she was gonna cry because there's this theme where she says she doesn't cry right oh, earlier yeah, in the yeah, movie yeah. she said she doesn't cry so i thought there was gonna be this moment where she starts crying and then her tears turn into <laughs> wait I, I love you <laughs> but i'm glad they didn't do that because that would have broken the rules of the universe yeah, that they've weird, established yeah. but um i love you but yeah, um, your wife actually pointed out something to me about that moment when he comes back is that like the 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 water on the ceiling where when he's like on the ceiling and he's dripping down, yeah. like that looked way more realistic than the rest of the movie. Oh yeah. yeah. And I, I think the reason for that contrast is because water is not blue, right? The reason we associate water with the color blue is because of the way light reflects between the sky and uh, the water. Oh, and yeah. so like we associate blue, like if you're, doing a drawing you color water blue but if water is like freestanding if you put like water in a glass like a clear glass and you hold it aloft it's going to be whatever color is behind it whatever color is passing through it so it is not realistic that weight is blue right but it's characteristic it's it's caricature it helps the audience connect with the character right it's important that we we value uh visual aesthetic over realism in this type of movie right but in that moment, if they had made the water on the ceiling blue, then it would have made it obvious to the like it would have given away what was happening before you were yes, supposed to have. Right. It would have taken away the emotion of the moment. So yeah. they they have this one moment where water is animated hyper realistically, and the rest of the movie it's cartoon water. And yeah. I think that was specifically to accentuate the emotion of that moment. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So. Um, I just wanted to point that out. And then the last thing I'll say is uh, I do believe this is the first time we've had a romantic first kiss in the climax of a Pixar movie. And I applaud it. So I was going to say that this film also <laughs> reminded me of Ratatouille with Linguini and um, 
oh, what's his girlfriend's name? Colette. Colette. When they, because that that was uh, they have romance in the film and they, yeah. they they share a first kiss. But it wasn't in the climax, correct? Probably not. No, I think it's like a second act kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm so, so sure. yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. You, you and and that's a good that's a good point to bring up because I didn't think about that 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 was a first kiss in that movie, but again, I'm. Pr- Pretty sure this is the first time there's a first kiss in the climax of the <laughs> yes. Pixar movie. You are right. Does Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Incredible kiss at the end of the... No. <laughs> well, that wasn't a first kiss. Right. See, that's the thing. Is <laughs> that's, I, yeah, I, yeah. I thought of Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, yeah. but I was like, well, they've been married for like, what, 20 years, so... Romance is dead. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No. But uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, wrapping things up. Uh, what did you get out of this movie, Ben? So I would like to, um, I'd like to start with asking you because okay, clearly I think you got more out of it than me. You ranked higher, so. probably did. <laughs> so I no. want, I want to hear your thoughts. Okay, I yes, I got a lot out of this movie because I mentioned the Big Sick earlier, and it's one of my favorite rom coms of all time. Um, I think these are really powerful stories when you're telling stories about like. Um, uh, clashing cultures. I think it, it it boils down the um, a lot of the things that come with cultural baggage in it, and it just it's a story about humanity. It's about human nature, and um, and so like this th- this type of story just really appeals to me um, on multiple levels because, like I said, I like the immigrant story. I like the creativity of the world. I like the the gags, the humor. I love the characters, especially Wade and Brooke um, and Claude. But um, Ember is a great protagonist, I thought. And um, and so, like, just ultimately, it, it was a movie that worked for me. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was great. It's obviously not in my top ten yeah. Pixar films or anything like that. But it was surprising to me because before the film my wife and I I I asked my wife like what is your prediction for what you're going to think about um this movie like on a scale of one being you know you're probably never going to watch it again to 10 being it's your new favorite Pixar film what's it going to be and she was like ah four or five and I said yeah five for me (laughs) and so we're both like middle of the road expectations sure, yeah. and talking after the movie, it far exceeded both of our expectations. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I think that's ultimately what made me, like I said, if you're willing to forgive this movie's faults, you're going to enjoy it way more because sure. there's faults you can latch onto and you can yeah. nag about. But I think the reason I didn't want to is because I'm like, well, I'm enjoying watching this with my wife. Like this is yeah, a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's up her alley. It's up my alley. It's got all the, 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 you know, staples of, of fun animation. Um, so yeah, my takeaway is that it's an amazing date movie. If you are oh, married yeah, or dating, take your significant other to go see this movie. You will not be disappointed. I don't think, um, it, it's a recommendation and yeah, it's a, not a great movie. It's got a lot of flaws, yeah. but it's enjoyable if yeah. you're going into it with the attitude of like, it's a it's a romance. It's a Pixar right. rom com. <laughs> like it's it's got it's it's got like stuff we've not seen in Pixar movies before. Right. And and so seeing it with my wife was special, and that's that's really my takeaway. Yeah, I like it, man. Yeah, 
I well, I applaud you for going in with low expectations. Oh yeah, <laughs> because you know us being Pixar uh, huge fans, that it is hard to go into well, a film with low expectations. They can't make every movie a hit. Then <laughs> yes, they can. <laughs> no, I I have not yet um, learned how to do that yet. So I'm a work in progress with that. Um, I go into Pixar films. Well, I used to go in with expecting ten out of ten, and I've learned to now go in with like expecting like a nine or 10. So I, but I need to learn to go in with lower expectations. But so yeah, I went in expecting this to be, um, you know, at least turning red or higher kind of for me, like 80% or higher kind of vibe. So I was just a little bit um, disappointed, but um, I've already shared my critiques. We've talked in length about that. Um, But I will say that I also really enjoyed the film. I did love the rom-com nature. Um, Sarah and I, uh, you know, we were holding hands throughout the movie. And, you know, when we watch rom-coms, that's one of the things we love is we just, oh, something special about watching other people fall in love. It reminds you of when you fell in love. Yeah. And uh, and so I, I enjoy, as much as I'm like a film buff, like rom-coms are like my guilty pleasure where I feel like it's oh, okay yeah. to not critique the film because, oh, they're falling in love. And mm-hmm. like, you know, you're with your, you're with your beloved. And so it's, so I, I I'm with you there. I I really I liked that. Um, the moment where they first like hold hands and th- there's the close up of the of the, the hands coming together, yeah. Each other and and uh, then like you know they're dancing and she puts uh, her head on his chest yeah. and it cuts to this wide shot that made me tear up a little bit actually. Oh, so that was a Pixar feels moment for you. That was a Pixar feels moment. I think it was just I don't know. I mean, I guess part of it was just like them learning to like come together after everything but it was just the i don't know just like the yeah there's something like really pure and whole about like a wholesome romantic relationship right you know and i just loved the way that they portrayed that and um anywho so i'm with you there i i I really enjoyed that and i would say my takeaway what uh the proverbial claw um i would say would be the lesson about the important of the importance of honesty with your family and um, with your loved ones. Oh yeah, um, that for me is like that's my takeaway because she learned like she needed to be more honest with um, with her dad, and that it's almost less about fulfilling your own dreams, and it's more about being vulnerable and transparent with the ones you love. Yes, yes, I love that. So that's really what I learned because uh, so Sarah's family, my my wife, they are really good as a family about like being open with each other mm. and and talking about how they're feeling about something, even if even if they disagree. And I love it. See, that's that I that's one thing I love about my wife. Stephanie is very good at being like open, talking to me, telling me what she's feeling, good or bad. Like I never have to second guess what my wife is thinking. So you're right. Like that's a big lesson to learn from this movie is like, don't hide things from people. Like tell them how you're feeling, tell them what you want, tell them like Mm. what you don't like or what you do like or what, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's a really, really good takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. Like there shouldn't, there's no, there shouldn't be fear in love, you know? Right. Um, you should, you should feel that you can trust them and they can trust you and that, um, that, you know, if you share something with them that they're not going to judge you or that's going to affect something. And, um, yeah. So, and I feel like, I feel like with our own friendship, there's a lot of trust and there's a lot of vulnerability. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good lesson. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's an awesome takeaway. I, I, I echo that. That is a very, very powerful lesson. And, uh, Pixar, 
You've done it again. <laughs> You've done it again. <laughs> so uh, that's our review for Elemental. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, go see Elemental if you haven't already. Hopefully you have if you've stuck around with us this long because we just talked spoilers. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, follow us on all social media platforms. We've got Instagram. We've got TikTok. We've got Facebook. Um, we've got YouTube. Yeah. Um, at Pizza Planet Podcast. So, um, yeah, go check those out. Follow us. And uh, Ben, do you, do we have anything else to plug? Anything? I don't think so. But go see this movie in theaters, y'all. Yes, in theaters. This movie is meant to be seen in theaters. Yes. Don't wait for Disney Plus. I've talked to so many people who, like, previous Disney releases, they will straight up say, like, oh, well, it's a Disney film. It'll just be on Disney Plus in two months. And I'm like, <laughs> but no, like yeah. that's such a bad attitude to have towards like filmmaking in general and so i yeah i endorse going to see this movie in theaters and there's a pixar short so it's really important to go check it out show your support bring your significant other this is a pixar rom-com y'all yeah so like if you if you're going on a i would say even maybe like a first date i don't know is this oh. a first date movie i think so yeah yeah That'd like be a you pretty could, epic first date yeah you could you could you could like uh bring your your uh insert generic dating website date <laughs> your hinge date we'll go with hinge that's <laughs> that's who uh there's a, a link uh in the description Ten <laughs> percent off <laughs> Pretty sure Hinge is free. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, go see this movie, and thank you for listening. So, as we always say, keep it in O for Onward. Because adventure is out there. To infinity and beyond. Pizza out. Vote in. <laughs>